Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. That's 12 to 3 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. This is the best of the Doug Gottlieb Show on Fox Sports Radio. Yeah, that's right. You got us and John Ramos here for this Friday. Yeah, Ramos again getting you set for a Game 3 of the World Series. Dodgers and Red Sox in L.A., Jonas, I've seen a lot of Dodger caps around the city today getting ready for tonight's Game 3. Won't see him that much longer. No. By the way, <laughs> BKR is back. All right. <laughs> yes, we are. For the next three hours, we have got you covered for what will, will be a an entertaining Week 8 in the National Football League season. An interesting weekend in college football because there aren't a lot of marquee matchups. You've got Georgia-Florida is one that we'll have our eye on for sure, but you got some of the better teams in college football not playing this weekend. We mentioned baseball. Got the NBA grabbing some headlines early on in the season as well. Glad to have you with us. Just because Doug's here doesn't mean that things change. The only things that really change are the Twitter handles that you can reach us at. I'm at Dan Beyer on Fox. Jonas, 
If they wanted to reach you on Twitter, where could they do so? Uh, at JSRamos06. And John Ramos, your Twitter handle to send out to everybody is? Noxy Boy. Noxy at Noxy Boy. Boy. <laughs> at Noxy Boy. All right, there it is. Oh. Is that with two X's? Yeah, or, yeah three or X's. Three X's. X's. There it is. Yeah, John, let's get it's a risque. family show. I'll, I'll take my shirt off right now. Jeez, Dan. I don't mind. I'll, I'll do it. Gosh, jeez. Why does he do this stuff? It's just it's ridiculous. Yeah. I, I mean, just the, the negativity and, and he's and he's been drinking all morning. <laughs> so to, to pile that on with everything else, oh. it's enough. We are in for Doug today and, and happy to do so. And and we're just as happy as probably the Houston Texans after they got a win last night against the Miami Dolphins to start off week eight. Now the news wasn't great today when they found out that Will Fuller was lost for the season with a torn ACL. But when you look at the game as a whole, You've now got a Houston Texans team that is sitting atop the AFC South. They are winners of their last five. And right now, as we speak, the Jaguars will be playing in London coming up this weekend. You've got the Titans who are on a bye this weekend, so they're not going to play. But as we speak right now, the Houston Texans have a game and a half lead over the rest of the competition in the National or in the AFC South in the National Football League. All that being said, Jonas, with last night's great win, with a cushion on top, with a five-game winning streak, I still have absolutely, positively zero confidence in who the Houston Texans are. Oh, I don't buy them for a second. Uh, this is such a flawed five-game winning streak. Can we go through – in fact, Dan – Find, go through every single game. Just name the team that they won, and I will find a flaw within how they won that game and why it was, why right. it took some sort of uh, help from the other team to make that happen. So the first okay. one of the season came against two. Well, well, let me let me just say this: off the heels of their loss to the Giants, yes. okay, so that that should say enough as well. Off the the loss to the Giants that dropped them to zero and three, the Texans went to Indianapolis to face their division rival in the Indianapolis Colts. Oh, you mean that one game that Bill O'Brien was trying to tie, but instead won because Frank Reich thought it was a great idea to have Andrew Luck throw a ground ball on fourth and five <laughs> in overtime in his own territory. Oh, that one that their own coach was okay tying because he opted for a field goal and not to win the game earlier in the overtime on the previous drive. Oh, that a, one. Okay. A, a win is a win, Jonas, yeah, in the that's National true. Football that's League. That's true. On October 7th, they returned home for a Sunday night affair against the Dallas Cowboys. Oh. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, and yeah. crew rolling into H-Town in a battle of the great state of Texas. Mm. You mean that one game where Jason Garrett decided to play conservative to the point to where his only defender over the past six to seven years in an, in a subpar to average coaching career has been Jerry Jones. Jerry Jones even criticized him for the poor decision in overtime to not go for it on fourth down. Oh, that one that resulted in another Houston Texans win in overtime. Okay, I got you. I How got about you. them Cowboys? Yeah, I got yeah. you. Okay, I got there's you. a two-game win streak. Uh-oh. Guess who's coming into town? Them Buffalo Bills. Them Buffalo Bills coming oh, into town. Oh, yes. yeah. They're in the Houston on October 14th. Yeah, well, let me tell you something. It's always really impressive when you can beat a team on a pick six from Nathan Peterman, especially a team who in one offseason had a wide receiver try and jump out of a hotel window, had a former lineman try and remove his father's head from a funeral home, and also 
had a player retire at halftime. But no, don't worry about it, everybody. You are all good here. Oh, and let's not mention LaShawn McCoy, who may or may not have hired somebody to go steal jewelry from his ex. But never mind that. That is a quality win for the Houston Texans. It should also be noted the Texans did not cover in that win against the Buffalo Bills. Hey, win's a win, Dan. A win is a win. Uh Uh-oh, let's take this show on the road to Jacksonville. So now we're up to a three-game win streak for the Houston Texans. Well, you know, it's always impressive. And let me tell you something. If you're talking about resume builders, I don't know where Bill O'Brien's going next, but forget about what he did at Penn State, and let's forget about the playoff appearances in Houston. What I want him to put first on his resume is once beat Blake Bortles and Cody Kessler. Because I'll tell you something, man, that, that, that'll that uh, really get you into the Hall of Fame. Two-headed monster. Yeah, right that's, there. Yeah, that's, that's what they've got. <laughs> Two's better than one, Dan. <laughs> got it. In Jacksonville, that two-headed monster at quarterback, and that brings us in that four-game win streak. Brings us to where we were last night Nice when the Texans hosted the Miami Dolphins. Awesome. Yeah, a backup quarterback on a short week and a defense uh, who looks like they're playing in reverse. I have, I don't know if they somehow got got the rules mixed up, and it's uh, maybe they assume that it's you know if you allow the most points, uh, you, they actually get taken away at the end of the game, and it makes you the winner. But I've never seen more open receivers downfield in my – well, no, that's uh, – let me take that back. Uh, yeah, Mitch Trubisky uh, put up a great performance against the Dolphins. That ought to show you, show you how good that defense is. I just don't buy it, man. I don't I don't buy this at all, and I know everyone's excited in Houston, and it's great. Yes, you're getting wins, and they've got a favorable schedule coming up, but I just see them as, as one of these teams that's probably going to win their division. They're probably going to host a playoff game. Who knows? Maybe they'll fluke out a win there as well, too, and everybody's going to jump on the hype train, and then they're going to go play the real deal in New England or Pittsburgh or somewhere else, and they're going to get blasted. I just I don't buy it whatsoever in Houston. They've got a schedule that you could look at, and they're at Denver next week, which I, I'm not sold on Denver. I don't think anybody really is either, but the point is, is going to Denver can prove to be difficult, as we even saw the best team in the National Football League and the Rams have some trouble against the Broncos in a game that the Rams did win. There's there's more to the, the question of the Texans, and maybe, Jonas, it's, it's, a, it's a flashback to last year because some people would say it's what could have been for the Houston Texans. What could have been if Deshaun Watson would have stayed healthy? At the point that Deshaun Watson injured his knee last year in that game against the Seahawks and then ended up uh, being lost for the season soon after that, the Texans were only a three-win team at the at that midway point of the season, if you will. So it wasn't like they were sitting there at 6-2 and two and lost their starting quarterback. Right. This was a not even a 500 team last year. And now you look at how they won with what they've got. They still have issues at the offensive line. They've got a quarterback that is fragile that needs to take buses to road games. And <laughs> and now you've lost a wide receiver in Will Fuller for this season that was a big play threat. And some of those big plays last night, nobody was guarding anyone. No. And so so the point is when you when you look at last night's game, take into mind that the Dolphins are twenty seventh in points allowed, twenty seventh in total yards a game and 30th in rushing yards. Is that out of 60 teams That's, or just the 32 in the NFL? That would be out of the oh, okay. 32 in the yeah, National I was going to say, do they count team. CFL teams in that? So maybe um, we can boost the numbers yeah, a little bit. I think Edmonton is actually 29th, <laughs> so we, they're, they're actually ahead of guys, them at that Guys point. are better in Saskatchewan. Yeah, that's good news. That's good news. The Texans 5-3 and three with the division lead and all of that being said. It's just really tough for me to believe. And they may win the division just because of how the division plays out, Jonas. 
But you can't tell me right now that this team is even close to being in the same category as the Kansas City Chiefs or the New England Patriots. No. And I don't even put – the Chargers have some of their deficiencies, but I, at least if, you're, if you've got the Texans being who they are – I at least think that the Chargers are just a better version of what the Texans are. And I try and I'm very critical of myself and maybe I'm oh, like maybe I'm just I can't get the optics out of my mind of the AFC South being bad because I honestly don't remember a time when the AFC South was good. <laughs> I really don't. I'm trying. Last year was like the only year. I, had two I, playoff teams. Yeah, but but still, even those two playoff teams, you look at them and you go, huh, I mean, who's really taking them seriously? I mean, Jacksonville was a surprise what they did, but nobody could rely on Blake Bortles, and you're seeing that play out again. So I'm aware that I sort of go into this with a little bit of a bias in that I just don't assume that a team from the AFC South is not going to be any good. I, and I'm trying to be honest about it and I'm trying to look at it from all angles and I just don't see anything about the Houston Texans that would scare me if I was another AFC team and I know that everybody loves Deshaun Watson and they were hyping him up and talking about oh man what a great player he was a year ago he had some good performances um, he was also averaging over an interception a game let's slow down on Deshaun Wa- on Deshaun Watson and I know just because Dabo Swinney said he's going to be the next Michael Jordan doesn't mean that he's actually going to be the next Michael Jordan just I think we need to relax. I'm not buying into the Texans. The Dolphins are a disaster. Do you see their defensive coordinator throwing things on the ground and having a tantrum, tantrum <laughs> yeah, in that game? That what, are doing, yeah. like, what are you doing, man? What are you doing? I don't like. Is that just to make it seem like you're fired up about what's going on with the defense? You got embarrassed on national TV. There, there, there was a point last night, and this will tell you there. There are three outcomes and feelings you get from trick plays. For example, if the New England Patriots run a trick play and it succeeds, you're like, geez, now we've got a plan for this the next week. Yeah. Now teams have got to look at this. If you're a bad team and you've hung in there and now all of a sudden you hit on a trick play, it's like everything is coming up roses for this team. It's their day. <laughs> the Dolphins' trick play last night was, yeah. this is all we've got. <laughs> so let's let Danny Amendola throw a touchdown pass to pull us within a touchdown. Good throw, though. That's what it was last night for the Miami Dolphins to show you exactly where they are. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app. This is where I don't like it for Minnesota's sake is right now, and whether you have questions about Carl Anthony Towns or you have questions about Andrew Wiggins, that is still your core. You're locked into those guys. Those guys are, have signed long-term deals to stay in Minnesota. And I know earlier this week the T-Wolves broadcast was even saying, oh, it sounds like Carl Anthony or looks like Carl Anthony Towns is quitting in this game. Not a good sign for the guy that you gave over $100 million to to, to, to stick around in the Twin Cities. But the point is this, is Jonas, I look at those first-round picks as being 27, 28, 26, somewhere in that range overall in the NBA, and we put our intern Dom to work today. We said, look back at the last seven years in the 25 to 30 range of first-round picks. Tell me who the best players were that were taken in those spots. Okay. So the last seven years, you had Kyle Kuzma, Josh Hart, DeJounte Murray, Larry Nance Jr., Clint Capella, Rudy Gobert, and Jimmy Butler. Those were the best players that you got over the last seven years in that 25 to 30 range. And I would think at least for two of the years, 2019 and 2021, the Rockets would be in that spot. Likely 2023 because James Harden is still there. I know that there are other pieces around, but you still have one of the premier guys in the NBA on that roster. 
Plus, they wanted to give you Brandon Knight, who is injured and making a lot of money. Uh, Marquise Chris was a guy that was involved, who was a, a topic years ago, but hasn't lived up to the potential. I just don't see the huge payoff when you have this Minnesota core that probably could win now that you want to put pieces around, and you have no idea to guess what's going to happen seven years ahead for your own team, let alone someone else. To me, it sounds great on the surface, but in reality, I'd rather just trade him to Miami for Josh Richardson or Josh Richardson and someone else and add a player of that caliber to your team than anything else. So you would rather you you want a player in return. I just think that there's so much unknown. There there are so many unknowns with those first rounders. Yeah. And we don't know the protections around them. But to to try to project seven years out for twenty twenty five when you have a core that is there right now that you need to feed, that you need to put around, to give Jimmy Butler away for nothing when you have those two-star players and hope that seven years down the line the Rockets stink, I think it's just too much of a risk where you could get you could get something to help that team now. Be sure to catch live editions of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at noon Eastern, 3 p.m. Pacific. Joining us now, Fox College football analyst Joel Klatt joins us here on Fox Sports Radio. Hey Joel, how you doing today? Good, fellas. What's going on? Uh, we are uh, we're getting ready for for this weekend where you've got a top ten matchup in Jacksonville. You got a Notre Dame team that's uh, taking on a Navy squad in San Diego. I want to start there with Notre Dame because I saw a tweet that you sent out and a piece that you did for Fox Sports. Why is Brian Kelly of Notre Dame your coach of the year so far in college football? Yeah, again, midseason coach of the year, and there's a lot of guys that are deserving, but Brian's done a remarkable job. First of all, they lost two offensive linemen in the first round of the NFL draft last year, Quentin Nelson and Mike McGlinchey. Uh, he loses a running back. He makes a switch to the quarterback position, and his best offensive lineman this year has gone down, and yet they're still undefeated and in the driver's seat to make a college football playoff berth. They're undefeated for the first time since 2012, which is the last time they went to the BCS National Championship. So for all of those reasons, I think Brian's just done a remarkable job. It takes a lot of guts as an undefeated team to replace a quarterback, in particular an incumbent, and and he did that. And now with Ian Book at quarterback, they're averaging over 38.5 points per game uh, since he's been a starting quarterback. So it's really all of those reasons. The guy has, has made some moves. They've been gutsy, and they've worked. Uh, and that's namely why I put him at the top of that list. Uh, Joel Clatton joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Dan Byer, Jonas Knox in for Doug Gottlieb. Joel, an uh, honorable mention that you handed out was Ed Orgeron. And I found myself guilty of this as well, too, where it was hard for me to take Ed Orgeron seriously. And I almost feel like that's a national narrative on Orgeron. What has he done there at LSU, uh, and how much has he impacted that program when a lot of people wouldn't have considered him to be a legit big-time head coach before this season? Well, he, he's continued the narrative that they're going to play great defense and they're going to win with a conservative model on offense. And I think, you know, he got an honorable mention because, quite frankly, they've just achieved more than everybody else in the country, at least outside of the undefeated teams. Uh, and, and quite frankly, the only reason I gave the nod to Brian Kelly is because they're undefeated and LSU has the one loss. Um, but Ed O is, is a guy that brings in a transfer quarterback, and yet he still has his team playing great football. They've got three wins over teams that were in the top ten at the time of the game. That's more than anybody else in the country. Um, and they did something that I don't think anybody gave them a chance to do, which is knock off Georgia, even if that game was at home. So, uh, granted, I still feel like the other shoe will drop, and they're a bit of a Cinderella. I feel like this is the highest they're going to be 
in particular because they're going to have to face an Alabama team, which they're ill-equipped to deal with. Um, Alabama, you're going to have to score 40 or 45 points in order to keep up with them in that offense with Tua Tungabailoa, and LSU is not going to be able to do that. Not with Joe Burrow at quarterback. He's been okay, and, and they've done a nice job of not turning the ball over outside of their one loss where he threw it, uh, what, two interceptions against Florida. But, you know, those are the reasons. And, and listen, Ed has done a remarkable job, there's no doubt, but it hasn't been any magical thing he's done as much as he's just kept it on the rails and he has continued the tradition of what LSU is all about. Conservative offense, play great defense. Joel Klatt joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. He's Jonas Knox. I'm Dan Beyer. We're in for Doug Gottlieb on the Doug Gottlieb Show. I think we all expect, even if Alabama would lose this weekend to LSU from what we saw last year and how things played out, I don't think that there's any way that Alabama would be left out of the 14 playoff. I mean, we're considering them as one of the greatest teams of all time. Could Clemson get in with a loss, do you think? Uh, we'll see. I think that that type of situation remains to be seen. I, I actually think that a loss this year for Alabama might harm them more than last year. Really? Why is that? The reason, well, because last year, remember, they were getting compared against a two-loss Ohio State team. So it wasn't necessarily apples to apples. And, and the committee ultimately said that the second loss for Ohio State is what was deemed for them to be, uh, you know, not in the, in the same neighborhood as Alabama. Um, so if Alabama is going to be compared to a one-loss conference champion, I think that the one-loss conference champion would go. In this case, let's say it's Oklahoma or Michigan. If Alabama were to be a non-division champ and have a loss and not have an SEC championship in the trophy case, I think that they would get left at home for another one-loss conference champ. So those distinguish, you know, you have to make that distinguish, distinguishability between the two, I guess is the mm-hmm. way to put it. Um, but yeah, that, I mean, for me, no one is guaranteed even with a loss because then it depends on what everyone else is doing. Alabama is in, if they went out, there's no doubt they're going to be favored in the rest of their games. But this narrative that, oh, they could probably lose this game and they'll be fine. I think it's just false because then their fate is rest in the hands of, of several other teams. And in particular, you know, teams like Oklahoma, Texas, maybe even in that situation, um, Georgia in that situation, and and more namely, um, Michigan. Well, to, to take it one step further, we heard Mike Leach's comments, Washington State's good. He's saying, you know, open it up to yeah. 16 teams in this whole conversation. But Mike's crazy. He's full of it. That's, <laughs> that's, 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 it's totally stupid. But, uh, I'm sorry, but it is. Mike Leach is going to say things that benefit Mike Leach. That's the problem with asking these coaches. It's such a lazy question to ask college coaches what they would do with a playoff. Every single one of them is going to say expand it. Why? Because then they have access to it. You know, I I think that we are at a point where this sport is going to get watered down if all these people get their way. Growing the playoff is not the answer. Not the answer at all. All we have to do is require that participants in the playoff win their conference championship. Then we basically have pseudo-quarterfinal games in the conference championship games as they're played right now, and we place more importance on things like last year's Iron Bowl, which would have been a play-out game for Alabama, and they would have never had the ability to come back in based on some invitation from a 13-person committee. To me, that's the fix. Growing it is not the fix. All you're going to do is water down the regular season. Guess what doesn't matter at all? College basketball is a regular season. We can say it's great, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
March Madness is what matters for college basketball. Why in the world would we do that to football? Well, that's that college basketball coaches have been wanting to expand it for years. You know, the 128 and to do those sort of things, college football should take a note that, yeah, you're right, it is what it is. It's, it's, it's best where it's at. The question that I have, and maybe it's an option C, I was going to say, is it option A that a great, maybe greatest of all time team Alabama gets left out? Or is it another UCF scenario? What is the reason that we could see an expansion from this? Where would that come from? Yeah, I think that the expansion would come if UCF goes undefeated. And if they were left out, I think that they would start some sort of legislation that would wind up before Congress, candidly. And that's what the conference commissioners, namely the Power Five conference commissioners, desperately want to avoid. Uh, I think that's the only way that it grows. And at that point, it would probably have the impetus to grow, but it would have the impetus via lawmakers rather than it would just the impetus from within the sport saying that that's what we should do. I think most of the the decision makers in the sport understand that what makes this sport so great and so interesting and so marketable and so valuable is the fact that it's important for three months, not three weeks. That's an important uh, distinguishing fact between this sport and others. So maintaining the importance of the regular season, I think, is always going to be of the utmost of importance. And that's why, candidly, I'm really hoping that UCF loses. There's no reason. First of all, there's no point to invite UCF into the college football playoff anyway. They're right now in the Saturn ratings, the 28th rated team in the country, and they play the 127th ranked schedule in the country. The 29th rated team is North Dakota State from the FCS, who has the 128th ranked schedule. They're 7-0. Should we invite them? Obviously not. Uh, UCF does not play the requisite schedule, in particular in their league, to, to merit the inclusion into the four best teams. And the answer is not, well, let them play for it with an eight-team eight deal, because quite frankly, you're just penalizing all the Power 5 programs that would do the exact same thing with that schedule by not including them, like Penn State, for example. Penn State would be undefeated with UC, UCF schedule, so why in the world would we reward UCF and not Penn State? Give me a break. Uh, Joel Klatt, lead analyst uh, for college football on Fox, joining us here on Fox Sports Radio. Joel, last one for me. We saw Ohio State a year ago get blown out on the road at Iowa. Then we see him at a similar point this season get blown out on the road at Purdue. Is is this a more problematic loss this year than it was a year ago for Ohio State? I think this year is certainly more problematic, only because last year it, it wasn't the same things that were coming up to bite them in terms of their weaknesses. This year, you're having the same things that they need to work on week in and week out that continue to be the weakest part of their teams. Namely, they don't convert once they're in the red zone on the offensive side. They can't run the football. In fact, in the last four games, they haven't averaged over three and a half yards per carry, and they're giving up far too many big plays. In fact, that that defense has given up more plays of 30 or more yards than anybody else in the country, save for Kent State and UConn. You can't be in the same category as Kent State and UConn if you're the Ohio State Buffs. It's a problem. Is because it was more a picture of what has been going on the entirety of the season. They haven't been able to get it fixed. We'll see if they can get it fixed in this bye game. But yeah, it's it's certainly cause for concern, and one of the big reasons why I'm leaning more towards Michigan after seeing them and covering them in a couple of games. I'm leaning to- more towards the Wolverines as the team that I think is going to come out of there as the Big Ten champ. I, I can't wait for that finale, Michigan and Ohio. I've never, I haven't looked forward to a college football game as much. And I know Joel, you're going to be on the call. I, I haven't looked forward to a college football game as much as that one because I feel like that's Ohio State season, and they're going to do whatever it takes to ruin Jim Harbaugh's dream. They better start blocking yeah, someone. And, I'll tell and, you that much. And candidly, I, they got to get there first. You know, I think Ohio State 
they're going to be vulnerable against Maryland. They'll be vulnerable against Michigan State. That game's on the road. So, you know, I'm much more confident that Michigan can get to that point with just a loss than I am right now Ohio State. The Ohio State defense gets pointed at because of the numbers at Purdue, and you can look at their offensive. Their running game is not the running game of years past. And it is, it's you could look at the numbers, Joel, and, and you know you've seen it's almost gotten worse throughout the season. And you've got two really good tailbacks yeah. back there. They just haven't been getting it done, and it's basically up front with that offensive line. Yeah, that offensive line is not very good. And, and candidly, they should be a lot better because there's some experience up there. There's some size. There's some strength. That's been a strength of their team. It's not just that Haskins is a thrower and not a runner like J.P. Barrett. I think that's the least of their worries. The problem lies with those five guys up front. They can't move anybody. I mean, they can't move anybody. Reminds me of Texas last year. You know, Texas couldn't block anybody. Now, all of a sudden, Texas is moving people. What are they doing? They're winning football games. You got uh, back in the Big 12, K-State at Oklahoma. Uh, what do we expect in Norman tomorrow afternoon? Probably a closer game than you would expect, even though K-State has struggled for the most part of this season. The, the bottom line is Oklahoma's defense is not a great defense. They made a switch at the defensive coordinator position. They're playing a little bit better, better for Ruffin McNeil, but they struggle against quality running teams, namely in that game against Army. They could not get off the field. Well, that's what they're going to see, a heavy dose of Alex Barnes, who's been on fire over 600 yards in his last two games and eight touchdowns, uh, excuse me, seven touchdowns for Alex Barnes. They're going to get a heavy dose of him, and if they can't stop him on first down, they're going to have a hard time getting off the field on third down, and, and we'll see how it goes from there. The one thing that they've got as the ace up their sleeve, that offense is unbelievable with Kyler Murray. So if they continue to play well offensively, they're going to beat a lot of people just because the other people can't keep up, and that might be how they have to win tomorrow. 3.30 Eastern time, kick on Fox, Wildcats, and Sooners. Joel Klatt will be on the call. We appreciate it, Joel. Enjoy Norman. We'll talk to you soon. All right, guys. Have a good one. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the I- He's Jonas Knox. I'm Dan Byer in for Doug Gottlieb. Joined now on the program by Brewers Outfield and NFNL MVP candidate Christian Yellis who joins us on behalf of T-Mobile as they're raising money for Hurricane Relief. Hey, Christian, thanks so much for coming on today. We appreciate it. You got it, guys. Thanks for having me. What's, uh, so what's it been like the last couple of days? Have you, have you watched any of the first two games of the World Series after you guys came so close to getting there? Have you, have you checked out any Dodgers-Red Sox? Uh, parts of the game. Uh, just if I happen to be around while it's on, I'll, I mean, I'll watch it. But, uh, you know, I haven't been. The day hasn't been revolving around that, I guess you could say the least. But, uh, you know, it's two great teams. It's great for baseball. And uh, obviously you wish you could be uh, playing in it. We got real close. But, uh, you know, it should be a heck of a series. Did you guys have an issue with the scheduling of the NLCS, the fact that you had to play a 2 p.m. local time game after going 13 innings the night before? Uh, no. I mean, that's just, that's just how it works. Um, you know, both teams have to do it. And, there's no excuses. You know, you can't use that as an excuse or you don't even want that to enter your mind. You know, especially at that time of the year, it's just uh, focus on the business that you have to take care of and, you know, go out there and do it. Christian Yelich of the Brewers joining us during the World Series. T-Mobile will donate $10,000 per home run and $2 for every post on Instagram and Twitter using the hashtag, hashtag HR4HR. Retweets count too. So take us back to Game 7, fifth inning. You hit the shot off your bat. In golf, they always say you expect your match play opponent to make his putt. Did you expect Chris Taylor to make that catch? Um, I don't think you expect him to make the catch, but I think when I, I hit it, I, I didn't, I didn't get it great. Obviously, so I knew it was, I knew it was staying in the ballpark, and I, I 
I can kind of see it tailing back towards him. Um, it was a great play. Definitely uh, changed the momentum in that game because you never know what happens after that. It's a tie game, and there's a guy in second with two outs and Bronny's coming up. So, um, you know, credit. I mean, he's a great player, and he made a great play, and uh, it just didn't go our way. You know, when you're playing in a game seven and it's one game to see who goes to the World Series, anything can happen. And uh, it just didn't go our way. But I think our team can be proud of uh, what we accomplished this year and, um, you know, it'll give you the hunger. It'll give you that drive going into the next year of, look, we got this close and, and we know what that feeling of disappointment's like and use that as motivation um, throughout the year to, to get back and, and see if we can take that next step. Now, Christian, you're from Thousand Oaks, California, correct? Yes. All right. I'm born and raised there. I still live in Thousand Oaks, California. So you know Harley's Bowl in Simi Valley, right? You've been to Harley's Bowl before? It's not the yeah, night way, way back in the yeah, day. Yeah, way back in the day. Yeah. I can remember being locked in one time and bowling a 290. And it seemed like no matter how I threw the ball, and it could have been like the, the five or six Bud Lights I had had moments before the game, but no matter how I threw the ball, it seemed like I was going to hit a strike. That's the only time I've ever felt locked in. You were as hot of a hitter towards the end of the regular season as I've ever seen. What is that like to be that locked in? And did it feel like that ball was going out of the yard every single time you swung the bat and made contact? Yeah, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think as a hitter, you're, you're constantly searching for that feeling of, you know, when you just, it just feels right. Um, and it didn't feel right every day in the second half. There was a lot of days where it did. But um, I think it was just being really stubborn in your routine and making sure that you didn't take any day for granted and, and really just um, however the day prior went, whether it was good or bad, that you flushed it and you focused on, you know, what you had to accomplish to help the team that day and what you wanted to do individually, your approach against the pitcher and really just being disciplined. And, and I think that was one of the biggest differences and, and just being locked in on that playoff run where we had to win so many important games there down the stretch that um, you couldn't get lackadaisical as a player. And I think that was one of the, the key factors. Gold Glove finalist and NL MVP candidate Christian Yelich joining us. Home runs for Hurricane has already raised over $4.6 million for Team Rubicon, a military yeah. veteran-led disaster relief organization. Were you surprised at your season at all for how great it was? Was there any surprise with what you did this year? Uh, yes and no. I think I think you know uh, inside what you're capable of as a player, but to say that you ever expect to do something like like that or have a season like that uh, you know I think I can't think I think you can't say you expect that but uh, to know it's inside of you I think I always had that feeling where if I could just put it together and um, you know have them th- have some things go right that, that you're capable of it but uh, it was a special year it was a lot of fun um, all the winning we did as a team you've made it even more fun and uh, you just try to really appreciate it, and it's easier to look back on it now um, and appreciate it than it was while you're actually going through it. So like I said, it was just next game up, and we played so many important games on the stretch that you weren't really getting nostalgic about it or, or looking back on it and, and resting on your laurels, I guess you could say. Uh, before we let you go, when you win the MVP, where are you putting the trophy? <laughs> hey, we'll see. I guess <laughs> oh, come on, man. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I mean, um, you know, it's not official till it's official, but – uh, it'd be a huge honor as a player, no doubt. Um, you know, just to be in that conversation and even have a chance to win something like that is—it's truly mind blowing when you think about it. Because I think, yeah. as, as a player, you never, you, no matter how well or how good of seasons you have in your career, I don't think you can ever expect to win an award like that. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at First, first Listen. Listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets and help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters every afternoon. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. And I'm David Gura. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take D.C. on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official Challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.